Welcome everyone to My Bleeding Ears Podcast. This is episode number 116. Still locked inside with all the creatures. <clears throat> it sucks. So let's talk about some movies and TV shows yeah. instead. Okay. I did leave the house today and went to the gas station and they let me come inside. Yeah, they let you in now. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that. It was crazy. Seeing as I go out all the time and... Well, there are already two people in there, and it's a tiny little gas station, so I actually stayed outside until one of them left. So brave. You. <laughs> Come on. Careful. You mean so careful. Careful. Sure. I don't anyway. hurt anybody. Okay. Uh, so, let's start ratting off some of the shit we've seen lately. Yeah. So, we finally finished the show that we mentioned last week that we hadn't finished yet. The two episodes that were left came out on Sunday? Yes. We watched them on Monday. The Last Dance. It's a documentary about the 1980s, 1990s Chicago Bulls. More so about Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of our lifetime. Yes. So yeah, this pretty much is mostly, uh, it's called Last Dance because it's the last season where Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the whole crew, Dennis Rodman, were together and... They're pretty much told, like, yeah, this is the last time you guys are going to be together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Phil Jackson, the coach, isn't going to be back. This is going to be your last ride. You right. Know? And, yeah, the, they go through the the early beginnings of, of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and some of the other Bulls players throughout mm-hmm. those two uh, three-peats. <clears throat> it's interesting to learn that Michael Jordan wasn't actually very good at basketball in high school, and then he decided he was just going to be good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he worked really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from, uh, yeah, that's, and it just goes through all their championships, the six of them they, they won in the 90s, to which I was able to see, because I lived in Chicago for a few of those. And the first one I do remember uh, a lot because that I believe <clears throat> that might have been the uh, I was away in uh, living in Miami at that time mm-hmm. and this is the first championship and I moved not, I didn't move but I stayed with my dad for the summer and I specifically remember watching game one at uh, fuck at one of the Pete Famous pizza places in Chicago. It was like Uno or something like that. Okay. And they lost that first game. I remember watching it. And, uh, yeah, that's it, really. <laughs> it <was> just that. <laughs> I just remember that time. But they didn't lose a whole lot more. No, no, they didn't. They ended up sweeping that series and won the championship. And two more years they won the championship. Two more years off. And then... Michael Jordan played. started playing baseball for a while. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good show. It was nostalgia for me, because I watched all that stuff. Yeah. I remember watching Michael Jordan play. Yeah, it was fucking... And, and re-watching all this stuff, I was like, wow, he's phenomenal. You know, he's <clears throat> doing things no one else ever did before. Agreed. And I didn't get that out of it, because I didn't really watch basketball. Most of the time, I... You know what? Like, I understand basketball. I understand what the goal of basketball is. Um... But I couldn't tell you what position Pippin or <laughs> Jordan played, even though I watched 10 episodes that told me what they played. I don't know what position they were. It was more interesting to me to learn about. I feel like most of the interviews came from Jordan and Pippin. Mm-hmm. And those were the most interesting ones to me, like learning who they were as human beings. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, a bit of a dick. Yeah. But unapologetic yeah. about it, because look what he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. In his career, <clears throat> Yeah. Goat. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So check it out. It's on ESPN. It's a free app you can download on your Fire Stick or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's 10 episodes long. And if you're into basketball at all, which I don't know if you listen to horror podcasts or <laughs> that much, if you, you watch basketball that much. But... but even if you're not, I was really into it because Michael Jordan was a force of nature. I didn't watch basketball when I was a kid, but I knew who he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Next. Next up, uh, we watched The Gentleman, finally. It was available to rent on Amazon. This is Guy Ritchie's latest. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, this I like this movie. So did I. <clears throat> it was fun. It was your usual kind of Guy Ritchie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, w- I won't say that, because he did like the Sherlock Holmes movies and all that. Right. Kind of out of his wheelhouse, it kind of seems, when he, he usually does the gangster Cockney movies. He also did Aladdin, let's not forget. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. He did Aladdin. So now he's coming back mm. to the, like, snatch, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. That's right, what yeah. this is reminiscent of. Mm. Uh, and it was fun. Yeah, it was a good movie. Um, I can see how some people can be kind of confused by it, because it, it goes by at a breakneck speed, but you kind of catch up and get the gist of everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, just pay attention. Yeah. It's not... <clears throat> but it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is not doing a Matthew McConaughey role. No. He speaks like normal English. Right. He's He's not even doing the Matthew McConaughey accent. And he's still an American, Mm -hmm. but I was impressed at how different his American accent was for this. Yeah. So, yeah. You're not watching fucking Matthew McConaughey from Days and Confused for the last 20 some years. And Hugh Grant, like you've never seen him before. Which yeah, he's not fun. playing Hugh Grant either. Right. Yeah, that's good too. That's some bumbling fucking idiot. He's actually got a really good Cockney accent. <laughs> like, he's got a belly and some dark glasses. It's funny. Right. So yeah, check out the gentleman. It's uh, to rent now finally. So mm-hmm. uh, good. <clears throat> Next. Next up, I had been interested in this movie for a while. It was available to rent on Amazon. It's a horror movie. I think straight to, to VOD. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of it until Amazon recommended it to me. The Dare. Ah, uh, yes, The Dare. I paid four bucks for it on Amazon, I think. Remind me, which one's this one about? I forgot already. So, The Dare <clears throat> starts out with this guy who has two kids, and he travels a lot, and he's clearly having some problems with his wife because he travels a lot, and then suddenly he gets kidnapped by a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And he's down in the basement with three other people. One of them is very, very close to being dead. Uh, and yes. the other two keep telling him to stop trying to rebel and get away. Right, right, right. Um, no, I'm sorry to remember this. Yeah. Yeah. It, when I read the synopsis, it didn't sound like torture porn. And I feel like it tricked me a little. <laughs> I thought there was at least going to be a twist. But there's no twist. No, not really. Yeah. Oh, there is. But it, they, it, it's brought up... I want to say halfway through the movie, maybe even a little earlier than that, you learn why all this is happening. Right. And then there's no twist. I I was like, even then, maybe there will be another twist. Yeah, and there wasn't. Nope. Um, As far as torture porn goes, it wasn't that bad. No. It was more like what I thought was going to happen and then was just really relieved that that's not what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm disturbed by my imagination when it comes to torture porn. (laughs) But, yeah. It was, all right, C+. I know we're not supposed to grade movies anymore. No, you can grade. You can grade all you want. Yeah. Um, I, I do not... 
recommend this movie. I wouldn't say buy it, but when it's free, and it will be. Yeah, check maybe. Check it out. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, don't waste your time. It's And don't read the synopsis, because it's really misleading. <laughs> I think you're going to see something more interesting than what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Richard Brake's in it. I um, I remember. He I, is. Yeah, I just now I'm just remembering that. Yeah, he is in this movie. In flashbacks. Yes. Um, yeah, I saw him at Comic Con at C2E2 back in February when. Oh yeah, you said that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, remember I was standing in line. And I was like, "Is that Richard Brake?" And it was. I was like, "Oh fuck!" And he was a good 50, 60 feet away from me. But you didn't meet him. No, I didn't meet him. He, I mean, he looked like nice? he, he did. He was yeah. He was, yeah. I bet he's nice. I bet he is too. He, <laughs> you know, I, he's found a, a great niche in this. Yeah. Playing a scumbag. Right. So, um, he makes a living. <clears throat> love him. <laughs> love him. Always playing a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> this is no exception. And maybe a little more complicated. A little. Maybe a little, but yeah. I don't know. This movie had <clears throat> potential, and it it didn't meet it, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. <laughs> Next. Next is actually our movie of the week. We've actually just been watching YouTube videos and movie reviews. Really? That's it? That's all you've seen? Ten things you didn't know about Um, this movie. You know what? We, uh, (laughs) you didn't watch this movie at all, but uh, we're Joe Bob Briggs for Troma's War. Ah. Yeah. um, I liked it. I thought it was fucking stupid. (laughs) It was exactly what I wanted out of a trauma film. Did you, now, did Joe Bob like it? Because I yeah. actually, I like yeah. it more when he doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, he liked it. Well, yeah. yeah. I think he only gave it two and a half stars, but that's still passing grade. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, there's really not much to say about the movie, other than it's just a trauma movie with a bunch of unexperienced people playing exaggerated characters. Right. Lots of death, lots of, well, maybe not that many boobs in it. There's a few, but... A few. A handful of boobs. It was a handful. (laughs) Like a fistful of dollars. (laughs) That's my sequel. A handful of boobs. A handful of boobs. (laughs) You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 1993 Showtime exclusive sequel to When a Stranger Calls, When a Stranger Calls Back. Yes. Now, uh, a lot of people have seen uh, When a Stranger Calls, the first movie that came out in the 70s with um, Carol King, or Carol Kane, I'm sorry, Carol Kane. Carol Kane, um, (laughs) and there's that whole scene in the beginning where it's, it's, have you checked the children kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen it. You've never seen a it? A lot of people have, yeah. Right. Uh, I've seen that. I've seen the original a long time ago. I did a little reading up back on it. Um, and it, it starts out like that, then it's pretty much after that, it's a detective story, and then it goes back to Carol Kane, Carol Kane at the end's character, where seven years later, the guy ends up fucking with her again. 
But in the middle of the story, we see um, the detective who's in the movie we're, re we're reviewing, Charles Durning. Actually, he's the, the detective following the murderer. And you get to see the murderer e earlier on in, the, in that movie. Yeah, they're kind of friends. Not the murderer, but Charles Durning and Carol Kane. Right, in the friends. second one, yes. Mm -hmm. And then that's where they meet is the first one. Because, uh, yeah, all that happened. Uh, and then they did a remake of the first one uh, with what's her face Camila oh, man. Camila, Camila Bell, Bell right yeah. yeah which is not a very good movie and it's pretty much the first twenty minutes of the first one expanded right. into like eighty minutes mm -hmm. um, not very good uh, but whatever movie it's they took a concept from a long time ago and just did the first twenty minutes of it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we're reviewing the second of the three movies in the uh, IP of uh, When a Stranger Calls. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and it starts out very much like the original, but instead of a phone call, it's someone speaking to her on the other side of a door. Right. Um, so already so we're at a change yeah. right here. The, the kids were in bed when she got there. She went to check on them. They were sleeping. And then somebody comes up to the door, supposedly, and says, this car's broken down, and could you please use the phone? Right. And then she sees that the phone is disconnected, mm -hmm. and that she can't make this call. So um, what she doesn't want to do is tell the guy outside that her phone's disconnected. Right. So she's smart in that right there, mm -hmm. and says that she called, and that she, he wants to come in, maybe he can call, or something like that, and... To which she's saying, you know, um, no, I can't do that kind of thing. She's a very smart person yeah. doing this. Uh, Jill Scolan plays the the, the babysitter, mm -hmm. who you'll probably remember from, uh, like, The Stepfather, Cutting Class, Cutting class. was another one. Uh, I always used to, I was in love with her when I was, like, Ooh, eight. Christine Daae from the Phantom of the Opera movie with Robert England. Yes. Um, yeah. Popcorn was another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, she was in a lot of horror movies back in the 80s and early 90s, and yeah, she has that cute raspy voice, mm -hmm. although her hair looks like shit in this movie. I think it's cute The first the hair, yeah. Yeah, maybe because it looked a lot like mine does. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, my hair is adorable. It used to be back when I could cut it. Right. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so she's doing a really good job right now holding yeah. off this guy. Um, so she lies to him and says, yeah, they'll be there within the hour. Time passes, and he comes back to the door and says, uh, you didn't call, they never showed up kind of thing. And she's really trying to be nice, you know, yeah. throughout this this whole thing. Women are conditioned to be accommodating. Right, yeah. exactly. And I think that they'll play into a bigger conversation mm -hmm. we're going to have uh, coming up. But um, while this is happening, she's freaking out, and we know that at 11.15, I believe, the parents are going to come home, to which she's babysitting their children. And uh, so she's just waiting it out, but the guy's still at the door and says, um, and starts messing with her, kind of saying that there's, you're not alone in there, kind mm -hmm. of thing. And you're thinking like, oh, fuck, there's another person, kind right. of thing, right? And you're, there he is, and then he's like, there he is to your right, and then she looks and there's a guy to her right coming after her. Uh, she screams and leaves, and then that's when the parents got home and everyone is gone from the house, including the children that yeah. she was babysitting. The children this. disappear. And yes. Yeah. And now, I will say this about the, f um, the first one and the second one. The first one is pretty iconic by some of the music they use in it. You know, it's very ramped up and, have you checked the children, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then um, she calls the cops and everything, and there's just like the music... Uh, 
that's used in the first one is iconic. Now, in this one, they used very little music, and I think it was a lot more effective. I agree. It was maybe a little tone, a little tonal, a few cues, but mm-hmm. other than that, everything was quiet. There were just um, shots of Jill Scullin on the right side of the camera, and then there's a part where you kind of just like look down a hallway for a while, and you're waiting for something to happen, and nothing happens. Um, so it's giving you a, a good amount of tension through that and you don't need there's there's no jump scares going on through here right um the be, the biggest jump scare i guess would be would be a music cue they use for when jill scullin looks at the the uh, refrigerator and sees that the note that was put up saying that the parents would be home at 11 15 isn't there anymore right to where she's cued in is like yes someone is in here along with a notepad where she wrote a bunch of stuff down because uh she wanted to call the tow company for the guy who was knocking on the door mm-hmm. and she sees that that page that she wrote all that shit down on is missing gone yeah so um i think this one was a lot more effective than it was in the prior movie now moving on from that it's five years later Mm -hmm. and jill scolan is now going to college and she definitely has uh has been affected by uh traumatic things she's got ptsd i mean she does yeah she goes into her apartment. It's very scarce. Not too much going on there. Looks around corners, and then she opens up her closet and sees that there's a child's like onesie or yeah, sweatshirt or, or something, or, or like a sleeping top yeah. for kids. Mm-hmm. And she freaks out and goes to the police and tells them what happened. And they call. Um, uh, Carol Kane. Carol Kane, whose actual name is Jill, but we're, I'm going to use the actors' names this time yeah. because I was getting all confused through that movie because Jill Scullin, I know her name, but right. uh, Carol Kane is playing the character of Jill. Julia is who Jill Scullin plays, mm-hmm. yes. So, um, then they, that's when we we're introduced to uh, the Carol Kane character, and... Um, she is a like a professor now at the college. She's like the like a psychiatrist, yeah, something. like a dean yeah. or, or mm-hmm. dean of psychology or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that she um, same character too from the original one, which is is kind of weird because in the original she ends up getting married and having kids, and then in this movie she's childless. Yeah. So they never really explain that, but I guess you can just be like, well. The traumatic effects in the first one really affected her, and she left her children and husband. Right. Kind of thing. That could be it. Um, yeah, that's what I... You know what? Yeah, that's what fucking happened. Maybe <laughs> it's the same director and the same writer, so mm-hmm. maybe they both decided, like, this is something our producers wanted, and now we're making a sequel, and we don't want that, so... Yeah, true. Sure. Writing it out. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, Carol Kane believes Jill right away um, because it happened to her and then they share this experience that they had and they're able to speak on the phone and everything and uh, Jill Scullin's character is like you know I'm, I'm in my apartment and I know things are moved around I know there's a book missing or something's been moved and hell Carol Kane knows all about that so she's yeah. like I believe her and all the cops are like oh she's hysterical yeah. she's a woman I mean, <laughs> she's crazy. I can't tell you how much Snapped I've watched I think there are 28 seasons of Snapped and I've watched every single episode and I've also watched a spin-off that's about stalkers and the laws for stalkers are so 
lax. And part of you sort of understands why they are. There's not yes. There's not a whole lot that you can do, but also the cops don't really want to do anything, especially no. for women. They usually think that the women are being nuts and <laughs> just write it off. They do. So it was interesting that way back in 1993, this was a theme. Yeah. I liked it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then that's when we were introduced to the Charles Durning character. Mm-hmm. Uh, same character from the original. He's a detective or a gumshoe or whatever. Um, and so he helps Carol Kane kind of try and figure out who this person is that was there that night and is now there uh, messing and stalking with uh, Jill, Jill right. Skull's character. Um, so from there, I believe, um, things get a little better and then they get worse for Jill Skolan because, um, she thinks she sees something in her room and it turns out to be nothing, but we cut later on, like a day later, and we find out that she's, hasn't shown up to, uh, the Crisis Hotline Center where she works now and, uh, Carol Kane and Charles Durning are looking for her and they find out that she tried to kill herself or that's what they've been told right shot herself in the head right and she survived because i was like oh fuck she killed herself wow Mm -hmm. all right but no she survived and that's when charles durning right around then is like you know i don't think uh well before that he's he's like i think it's only one person because everyone thinks it's two people two people yeah the cops don't think it's two people because they only they didn't find a trace of another person. They're barely investigating it right. anyway. Yeah. And the um, she says it's two people, but um, Charles Durning says, well, maybe this person is throwing their voice. Maybe we need to look for a ventriloquist. And then that's where it starts to get a little silly. It does get a little <laughs> silly from there because uh, Carol Kane and Charles Durning do have a little bit of a falling out where he says there's nothing I can do, but he kind of changes his mind and goes to this um, this topless bar where a ventriloquist is performing. Right. Uh, I think he gets the the info from just uh, people hanging around different clubs looking to get a gig for, I don't know, ventriloquists or people playing guitars <laughs> or whatever. Right. They can get in and Open get a few mics, bucks. maybe. Exactly. At a topless bar. Which is, <laughs> I mean, this, this seems like the greatest place ever. I mean, there's topless waitresses and then there's just... Weird fucking things going like I, like a ventriloquist <laughs> like who knows what other acts would have been up there. True, but uh, yeah, a ventriloquist is up there. He uh, has a faceless doll and he is painted all black and you can't see him at all. But he's you'd think you'd do a ventriloquist act, but pretty much he's just saying that life is useless and who are you kind of thing. Yeah, you know, like it's a not very funny nihilistic attitude about yeah. things and he gets booed off the stage. And Charles Durning, right after he's booed off, enters the building and is about to order a drink from a topless waitress. And uh, she tells, we don't get him hear him say this, we just get to see this. Uh, but I believe she tells him that, yeah, there was a guy up here earlier, and then uh, he left, the show's over, it sucked. So then he runs out in the alley and sees the, the, um, the ventriloquist guy, who we find out is the actual uh, stalker and mm-hmm. kidnapper of the kids. And we're like, okay, the he was right. The the uh, stalker threw his voice. Mm-hmm. So he was already in the house mm-hmm. when Julia was trying to shoo him away from the door. Yeah, right. So um, 
Charles Durning then goes and figures out who this guy is and goes into his apartment. Now, before this even happened, there was a, a scene where um, Carol Kane went to go visit Jill Scullin in the hospital where she mm-hmm. she had, they thought, had committed suicide. So she's out of it. She's in a coma. Yeah, right? she's in a yeah. coma. And right before she goes <clears throat> and sees her, we see the stalker in the room with her. Mm-hmm. Very quietly ducks into the shadows. And Carol King comes in and says, you know, I'll, we're in this together. I won't leave you kind of thing. Leaves. And then he comes out of the shadows again, just all creepily. <laughs> and then starts punching her. And this is all just one shot, too. Yeah. There's no cutting, really, or anything. He just starts kind of slamming his fists on her and punching her. And then that's when we get to the Charles Durning scene at this guy's home where... It's a pigsty, of course, and he goes and looks in the garbage and sees a bunch of... Uh, well, he, first he sees a cloth that uh, was owned by Carol Kane's character that he, she gave to Joe Scullin in the hospital, and he took. And uh, also he found a bunch of pictures that he took of, of her in the hospital, mm-hmm. of her, like he ripped her shirt up and took uh, nudie pictures of her and everything. And... Then we see interior shots of Carol Kane's home. And that's where Charles Durning calls Carol Kane. Mm-hmm. And no answer. Uh, Carol Kane gets home and he's there and <laughs> he <laughs> he had taken pictures of her house. Uh-huh. And while Charles Durning was in his house, he saw those pictures. And he also came across a bunch of different makeup he had, too. Which is, like, it gives you the impression that he's good at makeup because he painted his face all black and everything right. and he's able to hide. So he's a chame- he can make himself a chameleon. So Carol King gets home, he's in there, and he painted himself like some pipes that are in and brick that are in her house. <laughs> and that's where it gets really silly. And it does get silly. Though, I will say that the camouflage is really good. That mm-hmm. makeup's really good. Because mm-hmm. you see him, but you don't see him until he opens his eyes. Right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, attacks her. Um, she fights him off. She gets hit with a chair. Charles Durning comes in and blasts him. And mm-hmm. he dies and... Um, Carol Kane actually, she was shot too. She got shot in the gut. Shot in the, yeah, it almost looked like the chest. Almost the chest, yes. Carol Kane dies in this. Uh, but Charles Durning blasts him. She ends up in the hospital right next to Jill Scullin's character. Yeah, who's awake now. And they share a glance, but it's not a happy glance at all. No. Because now Carol Kane is right in the exact same position that Jill Scullin is. Yeah. Not, um... In the hospital and emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And it doesn't really end on a happy note, really. No, they just sort of look at each other, the end. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that's the movie, and I'm surprised this one has passed me by for so long. It was recommended to uh, to me by my uh, co-worker, and he was just like, dude, you ever seen a a sequel? I'm like, no, dude, I really didn't even know. He's like, yeah, it's pretty creepy, dude. It's made for TV. I looked it up. Showtime, yeah. yeah. It was made for mm-hmm. Showtime. That's why the aspect ratio was the way it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I enjoyed this one. This was a good time. It was great, but it was it was better than the original, and it was better than the remake of the original. Mm-hmm. The original um, just didn't it didn't really follow through as much. It, it, yeah, it, they got the I mean, gimmick in, and it kind of just mediocrely 
came to the conclusion as this one there was a lot of tension throughout yeah i haven't seen it but i feel like also i have yeah it seems like a short story and it's pretty much this movie anyway it's Mm -hmm. this is somewhat of a remake of that one yeah in the sense that the same things happen Uh, there's still like uh, cops and robbers kind of thing a detective and a criminal he's trying to find out that and that's that's pretty much the first one it's cut up into kind of like three parts. The the beginning, the middle with Charles Durning, uh, detective work, and then the end, seven years later later with Carol Kane having to kind of do the same thing again. Right. But, um, yeah, I recommend this one. Me too. And, yeah. That's about it I got to say with it. But there's just some cool little things in there. And uh, this movie was, I think, handled differently than the prior one because of just with the the, how the police were treating the women in this movie and how there was a woman who came in and believed her and they worked from that and had a relationship of trust i'm always pleasantly surprised when that happens in like 80s early 90s Mm -hmm. movies because those are so often told from a male perspective and and this is too it's written by two men but I, they impressed me with showcasing how cops don't believe, no one believes women when they say yeah. they're being stalked or, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, being abused. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us this week. Uh, kind of a short episode. We didn't watch all that much. But mm-hmm. um, hope you enjoyed and you'll catch us next week. All right. See you later. Thanks for listening. 